you could ever need starting right now hello and welcome into the water break the best late night sports show on 88.9 the bridge uh i'm mclean i've got will and Cy uh with me we're uh doing the show gonna dominate virtually um creed's having some issues so he's not gonna be here this week um but you know he's uh here in spirit uh so do you guys want to get uh started off with our four and four yeah, sure. I'll start it off with basketball. And so a lot of the news right now in the NBA is concerning the upcoming draft. And so three of the top players that a lot of teams are looking at are LaMelo Ball, who played overseas for a bit and really proved himself. James Wiseman, who I think played at Memphis, and Anthony Edwards. And so a lot of teams are looking at those guys in order to take um, maybe that next step towards you know, becoming a good team or actually uh, contending, things like that. All and right. on to Will with hockey. Yeah, over in the hockey world, not a whole lot has gone on. The only kind of big story right now is just uh, the possible return to a season coming up. And they don't really know. The big executives of the league actually just met yesterday to discuss this, but it's still unclear what they will do. Obviously, watching other, other leagues like the MLB, NBA, and NFL in the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. And they're just questioning how the return to hockey is going to look, if it will happen at all, and what the NHL will do for a plan. Because I know a lot of other junior leagues, including the OHL, have actually removed hitting, uh, which is a very, very controversial opinion. And I don't think that they should do that, especially in that high level. I think it ruins the game. Um, but anyways, that's about it going on in hockey. On to McLean for football. Yeah, um, this is a really interesting week for college football. Um, the Pac-12 are finally returning to action this weekend. Um, but in national news, four of the top five teams in the country are idle this week. So if um, you're a fan of, you know, Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, you're uh, you're not seeing your team this weekend. Um, and, of course, in the NFL, it's... Um, just as interesting, you know, the Chiefs are um, taking a week off, so the NFL's probably best team is um, sitting out. So it's uh, it's really it's it's gonna be all underdogs this weekend. 
Uh, speaking of underdogs, um, do you guys have any sleeper picks for the uh, upcoming NFL game slate? Any upsets? Um, well, I know the Bucks are playing the Panthers this week, and the Bucks have looked horrendous, especially in that game against the Saints. They're so on and off, and I think it's kind of weird. So that game, I know that game is going to be hard to predict, but I think the Panthers could definitely upset the Bucks, just judging on the way they've played recently. The Panthers, mm-hmm. let me tell you about the Carolina Panthers. They've hung in every single game that they've played. You know, Christian McCaffrey's return to that lineup. Um, they almost upset the Chiefs. I don't really think that there's any question um, about what these Panthers can do. They could stun, in any given week, they could stun any opponent. Um, they've beaten the Cardinals, they've uh, almost beaten the Chiefs, and they hung with uh, New Orleans and the Saints. So, really, even without, it looks like they're not going to have Christian McCaffrey um, for Sunday against the Bucks. but definitely uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks should be on upset watch. I think I think another big one too is the Bengals Steelers. I mean, you saw the Steelers barely managed to crack out a win last week against the Cowboys. Pretty rough game on their part. Uh, they remained the only undefeated team in the league, while the Bengals uh, actually managed to upset the Titans, and by a pretty good margin too, which was quite impressive on their behalf. So I really think that the Bengals, if they play well, if everyone plays well, Joe Burrow kind of plays how he has. I think the two and five Bengals could possibly give the undefeated Steelers a run. I yeah. definitely predict that one will be close. Um, you know, Pittsburgh has... They've really played only one super good game, and that was against Baltimore. Um, I can't really think of any other good team that they've beaten. So, yeah. yeah. Only thing about that game, I think, for me, would be, like, can Joe Burrow um, produce against Pittsburgh's, like, stellar defense? Like, I feel like that's going to be a little tough for a rookie quarterback. But, yeah, that's um, that's true. Yeah, but I think um I don't know if this would be considered an upset, but um I feel like the Chargers will probably beat the Miami Dolphins really? this weekend. Yeah. I feel like Justin Herbert's going to pull it out. I feel like, you know, LA manages to lose all of their close games. This is just a fact. Week one against uh, against Cincy was their one exception. They won that one close game, and now they have to lose everything else. Um, but I think Miami is the hottest team in the league right now. I mean, they're undefeated since getting, um, you know, since getting handed a defeat. I think it was Seattle was actually their most recent loss. Um, somebody fact check me on that. Was that was quite a bit ago. I- yeah. Sure, if that was the most recent loss, let me check. Uh, Tua is undefeated. Two and zero is the starter. Um, wow. so I I wouldn't think for a second about picking Miami in that game. Yeah, that's true. They have they have really shown up. And uh, speaking of big games, you got Seahawks Rams. That's gonna be huge this week. I mean, it's a big turning point for both of these teams in their look to make maybe possibly a move for the number one seed. Um, but also the Seahawks struggling recently. Russell Wilson hasn't been performing as he has in past weeks, and I think this game's going to show. It's going to show. It's either going to expose our defense, or I think it's going to be a moment where Russ steps up, and I think we will we'll take the win. What do you guys think? 
Oh, man. Uh, Seahawks and Rams. This has been one of my favorite, like, rivalries to watch in recent years. You've got such huge moments, like um, Greg Zerline uh, pulling the game winner um, in primetime last season. Uh, that was also the game where Tyler Lockett had that catch and Tedrick Thompson had that pick. So you guys know the ones I'm talking about. Um, that was a huge game. Um, and the Seahawks-Rams series has gone in recent years. Seattle barely wins the first one, and L.A. blows Seattle out in the second one. You know, that's how it goes. Generally, that, um, that second Rams game is normally a vibe check for the Seattle Seahawks. It's generally when they're, you know, super injured, trying to do too much, starting practice squad players at at least one key position. You know, Aaron Donald harasses Russell Wilson, and that's how it goes. But I think this year, I think this is when that trend gets bucked. I think Seattle is going to get, I, I think they're too injured right now to really, you know, uh, compete with the Rams. I think this is going to be a vibe check for this team. It'll be close, um, but I think LA is going to get the upper hand. Yeah, and I mean, we saw Jamal Adams returning, same with Dunlap last week. Our team, our defense did not look any better. It was really horrible to watch. We barely got any stops. I think the Bills just walked all over us. Josh Allen had a massive game fantasy-wise as well. I think he got almost 40 points for my team, which I was kind of sad to see because they walked all over our Seahawks. And yeah. I think offensively, we're going to have to watch out for Aaron Donald. Like any other team that plays the Rams, he's always going to be a problem. So this is certainly going to be an interesting game, and I really hope we can win. You know yeah. what I liked? You know, this is my hot take. I know the defense allowed 40 some points. Um, but I think that last season, even with the return of Dunlap and Adams, um, you know, starting two, three corners in that game, all of whom were injured, all of whom were out of position. Um, I think this team actually did better than they could have. You know, the the pass rush was there. Um, Josh Allen got pulled down eight times. They got more sacks than they did in almost the entire rest of the season. So so do you think, do you think the issue lies maybe in our coaching staff? I know I've seen a lot of pleas to fire our decord over uh, social media and stuff, or do you think it's just the secondary not stepping up and making enough plays? I think it was that, um, I think last week was a misfire. I think that the coaching staff tried to rely too much on linebackers in coverage and corners in coverage. You know, they were bringing out all kinds of trick blitzes, sending Jamal Adams, sending uh, Ugo Amadi from the slot before he got injured. Um, you know, it's, uh, relying on those, those, uh, those, you know, injured corners in coverage. Um, I think I saw Quentin Dunbar uh, record a sack, which was pretty cool. Um, but like... Uh, the corners were uh, Trey Flowers, Quentin Dunbar, both playing through injuries, both out of position. Um, I don't really think that it was viable to depend on them against a Bills receiving core that's actually very good. That's true. Yeah. Diggs and Beasley have been way better than people thought they would be. Yeah, there's, um, there's uh, three guys in that offense who I think could be the number one guy in an offense. I mean, it's always been my hot take that, you know, Cole Beasley, uh, back when he was on the Cowboys, he was one of my favorite players on the Cowboys, which uh, doesn't say much, but 
He's Cole Beasley. Um, he, his, his receiving archetype is so valuable just cause he doesn't have the speed to blow the top off of defenses. His, um, his short route running and his release are both very good, you know, and his hands are as sure as anybody's in the league. I, um, I think he's, uh, a great, uh, safety valve in the receiver position. Um, and I think that, you know, his presence is just what Buffalo needs. Yeah, a really yeah. good offset for uh, Stefan Diggs. And I think he kind of reminds me of Thielen, who played a similar role with great route running. Uh, not insanely fast, but he's got good speed, and that certainly, with, with Diggs, that one-two combo of Thielen-Diggs is a really, really dangerous thing. And I think we see the similar kind of thing, just with a better quarterback in Buffalo. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, Stefan Diggs demands double coverage on the perimeter. Um and John Brown on the other side demands a fly guy. Um, you know, he's got great speed too. We don't often hear about him. Um, but you know, even back with the Cardinals, he had the kind of speed that could really blow the top off of a defense. So you have to put a fly guy on him, which means that you're stuck putting your third corner. Sometimes that's a slot DB. Sometimes in Seattle's case, that's Ugo Amati, who's a safety, you know, making it work. And that's, um, it's really not an ideal matchup. Uh, I think the uh, the secondary was just too banged up to even with the return of Jamal Adams. That secondary was too banged up to have reasonably been expected to compete. And um, you know the other thing that's been overlooked is that the Bills, you know, Josh Allen stepped back and threw it like a million times. They had less than ten runs in that game. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But... They were they were really trying to attack our weakness there, and I think yeah. also because the corners were injured. They were giving them a lot of cushions, so they were hitting like shorter routes a lot and getting a lot of yards after the catch, and they were just really just attacking the Seahawks' weakness. So we really gotta get our guys healthy and tighten up the uh, pass defense. Yeah, Quentin Dunbar and Trey Flowers were asked to do far too much um, against the Bills. I think the coaching staff, I think they saw that it didn't work, and I'm sure that they'll be enacting some other uh, concoction against the Rams. Typically, um, how Seattle plays the Rams is going to, like, a five-down bear front. So putting um, five defensive linemen on the field with two linebackers behind them and leaving the nickel off the field primarily. What you'll sometimes see is, you know, a six down with the nickel where you'll have K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner lined up in a two point stance in both A gaps uh, with uh, defensive linemen split out wide in the C gaps and uh, lined up directly in the B gaps to try and stop the run and um, force Jared Goff to uh, throw without play action. I think it'll be interesting if Seattle does try to enact that because those bare fronts, um, they're top heavy, but they, again, put a lot of strain on the corners, which was a strategy that just got 44 points hung up on uh, Ken Norton's defense. So, I don't know. I don't so, know. It'll be interesting. We yeah. certainly looked at what went wrong for the Seahawks last week, but there was some definitely much worse games than that, and I think notably of the Saints-Buccaneers, which everyone thought was going to be a close match, going to be a huge highlight game, Brady possibly reclaiming his touchdown record over Breeze, and just about the opposite of that happened. Uh, Breeze massively enlarged his record. Brady did not throw for a single touchdown, but he did He did manage to rack up three interceptions, and they ended up losing 38-3. to three. So what do you think went wrong for the Bucks there? 
Uh, game script. I honestly think Tom Brady, um, he's a great quarterback, but he doesn't know how to play from behind. And honestly, that's not really a knock to him. That's just a knock. That's a, you know, more praise of Bill Belichick and his system and a praise of Bruce Arians and his system. Um, but the Saints, um, had a lot of things go right early. Um, they got the big turnover early and then they forced, uh, Brady to play from behind to, um, you know, try and win the game himself without that crutch of the running game. I mean, what did, what did, what did the Bucks have? Like, like three running plays? I, I do not think they got over 10 rushing yards in that game. Yeah, I, I remember, um, so I'm a Ronald Jones fantasy owner, um, and I remember his stat line being like one carry for four yards. I think Fournette also had one. Yeah, um, I, think, I think Ronald Jones got more receptions than he did as than he did rushes. And Ronald Jones is not necessarily a huge receiving back. He does catch more than some, but it's not massive. And then they also had the return of Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin coming off an injury, which was rather recent. I don't yeah. know how they didn't succeed, but they just, they didn't. And it was tough. Yeah, uh, I really, I have no idea how, um, how things went uh, pear-shaped for the Bucks that fast. I mean, Bruce Arians has typically been a, you know, competitive coach. He's not the kind of guy to lose big. Um, but, like, you know, game script kind of took out a lot of what the Bucks have been doing. I mean, their record when uh, Ronald Jones rushes, I think they're undefeated when Ronald Jones rushes for 100 yards. So... Yeah. Um, you know, I, Tom Brady has, you know, maybe in like 2007, he could win games by himself by just, uh, throwing the ball to Randy Moss and, you know, spreading it around himself, but he really needs that strong running game, uh, to keep defenses honest now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the total rushing yards in that game, I think was eight, eight, eight? rushing yards. Yeah. Wow. Like, Ronald Jones had nine yards, Leonard Fournette had zero, and uh, I think it was Blaine Gabbert, he has negative one yards. So yeah, that's eight total rushing yards. That's Blaine Gabbert for taking the knee. So that's, that's yeah, that's what, four, four, four running plays, I think. <laughs> yeah, five. Five running plays. I think that's got to be some sort of record. <laughs> <laughs> I remember them saying during the broadcast, it's the uh, least running plays there ever was in a game. Um, you know, what I didn't hear is anybody say that during the Buffalo Bills game. I think they ran the ball only eight times. Um, but, no, they, certainly, they certainly didn't run much, and they didn't really need it, to be fair, because they were just dominating us in pretty much every aspect of it. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't know. I think it'll be... Uh, I don't know what to expect going forward from Tampa. I think it'll be uh, good to see them uh, against the Panthers because that's sort of an average team that's had a really tough schedule. And, you know, in fairness to uh, Carolina, they've managed to win a couple of their tough games. Yeah, that's true. And I think the return of McCaffrey is going to be a big, big impact. I mean, it was a huge impact for them last week. I think it's going to continue to be such a dominant player, especially in the passing game. Yeah, so, I mean, well, it, he's out. It's going to be Mike Davis again uh, did, on did Sunday. Really but get hurt again? Uh, well, uh, the papers say that he's seeking a second opinion on his shoulder. Um, uh, so, oh, yeah, it looks like Mike Davis is expected to play here. Wow. Yeah. That's 
So, I mean, Davis is still a good running back, too. I think a lot of people will do well in that situation. But McCaffrey is certainly hard to replace. Yeah, I've um I've said this many times before. I'll keep on saying this until Joe runs me out of the radio station. The greatest thing that a backup offensive player can be in football is similar in play style to whoever he's replacing, whether that's a quarterback, a running back. The uh the most important thing you can do is not demand any, you know, drastic changes to the game plan uh when you get put in the game. I mean, think about last year. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater uh, played in a very similar offense to Drew Brees. Um, They didn't have to change anything. Both of them could check the ball down to Alvin Kamara and throw slants to Michael Thomas as good as anyone in the league. Both of them were, you know, very safe passers uh, with uh, good pocket mobility, uh, but not a lot in the scramble game. And the Saints went 5-0 with Teddy Bridgewater. You know, and uh, we're starting to see this again. You know, we're starting to see the Cowboys unravel as they can't find anyone, you know, with an arm or legs like Dak. They um, tried to replace Dak, who's a, you know, smash him, gash him passer who will, you know, throw it deep and scramble it a lot, but not much else. They tried to replace him with, you know, a traditional totem passer like uh, Andy Dalton, who stands back in the pocket and throws short throws and down the middle, but doesn't have too much deep arm. And it didn't work. The offense imploded. Yeah. Yeah, their team, they've actually managed to keep in almost all of their games, even though they lost to the Seahawks, the Browns, and the Rams early on in the season. They managed to stay quite close in every single one of those games. Um, But now they're just losing by massive totals, except for the Steelers game. They did hang in there. I'll give them credit for that. But aside from that, it's went at went massively downhill and i think their season might as well just throw it out and start start uh looking for solutions hopefully just wait on Dak. yeah dallas they've got a decision to make um if they get like if they start um tanking and they can afford a top five draft pick um they could go and pick somebody uh maybe not trevor lawrence but they might be able to go and get spencer rattler or justin fields um they could start over with a rookie quarterback, you know, decide their defense is too flawed to contend with Dak and try and hit the reset button. I just can't see them managing to trade Dak with all that money attached to him. I just don't see that happening. They don't even have to trade him. He's on the franchise tag. They can just let him walk. You really think they'd do that? I personally, I don't. I think Jerry Jones is not the type of owner to, you know, let anyone who's selling jerseys get away from his team. But there's going to be a decision to be made in Dallas. Um, And let me tell you, if it was me, I would I would let Dak go. I'd let him go and sign with uh, Chicago or some some uh, quarterback desperate team, you know, become an instant, you know, plug and play superstar there. He would probably be one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever hit the open market. But coming off of a scary injury like that um, with, you know, absolutely no talent on the defense and a top draft pick. um, I'd. I think that if the Cowboys wanted to let Dak walk, I would understand. Really? I think... Mm-hmm. I think Mac they could... Jones. Oh. You think they're going to go Mac Jones. Jones in the draft? <laughs> I mean, if they're not if they're not going to like trade up to get a high pick, I'm saying Mac Jones. Yeah, he seems like a good QB for them. Well, at the rate that Dallas is losing, a pick in the top five or top eight doesn't really seem out of the question. 
Yeah, if they're in, if they're in the top five or top eight, they're probably gonna go after Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Could could you see a possibility where they trade their pick, where they trade the player from that pick in order to get an already developed, uh, possibly slightly worse defensive player? I was going to say that. I was actually just going to say that. If they do get like, um, if they do get a a uh, very high draft pick. If let's say for the sake of the argument, let's say they get number six, um, they could move back in the draft um, and look to target defensive players, or they could just straight up trade the sixth overall pick uh, to a team, you know, in need of a quarterback. This is my, this is, I think my blockbuster. A lot of things would have to happen for this to, uh, you know, for this trade to be a possibility. Um, I think Philip Rivers, if he retires after the season, the Colts will be in need of a quarterback because they'll be, you know, ready to contend. Um, so what I think would have to happen is uh, the Cowboys would send two first rounders to the Colts for Darius Leonard. Um, that means the Colts have essentially traded a 2022 first and... Uh, the Colts will have acquired a quarterback of their choice in this draft and a 2022 first, I worded that badly, um, for their all-pro middle linebacker. And I, I don't think it'll happen, but I would understand if it did. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, there's, they certainly have a lot of options, um, but as of, as of right now, their season looks pretty screwed. I can't imagine them possibly making a comeback. They have yeah, a pretty the, tough schedule coming up, too. The only thing keeping Dallas in the race is uh, the fact that they get to play the NFC East. Yeah, aside, so. aside from divisional games, though, they are going to be facing off against the Vikings, the Ravens, the Niners, and the Bengals. And every single one of those teams, I think, could easily give them a run for that money. Especially you know what? the Bengals. I'm actually liking... I, I know I just said that the Colts made sense to uh, move into Dallas's draft spot, but I'm also kind of liking Minnesota. You know, if Kirk Cousins keeps underperforming, they could, uh, they could move on from Cousins and maybe trade um, Danielle Hunter for that number six pick. Yeah, you got to think, I mean, at what point are the Vikings going to move on from Cousins? They've stuck with him for a couple of years now. They really haven't seen anything, despite having a pretty solid team around him, uh, especially offensive-wise. So I don't really know what they're going to do, to be honest. They have had a tough season, certainly not having the record that they want uh, to show for some of their games. But they have managed to keep it close with good teams, notably the Seahawks, the Titans, losing both of those games by just one point. So I think the Vikings are very, very close to being a good contender. Yeah, all right. I uh, definitely hear that. Um, you know, another um, another matchup I wanted to highlight for this week is uh, one that I've not heard too much about. Um, what I want to do is talk about the Eagles and the Giants, because that could very well be for a playoff spot. You know, of course, these aren't really the teams that we've you know, heard a lot about. Um, but winner of Eagles and Giants could very easily uh, take the NFC East and go to the playoffs. Somebody has to win that game, right? That's true. It is it, Looking at the league in a full picture, I don't think it's a very important game, but inside of that division, I would put those teams as probably the one and two spot. Maybe you could say the Redskins are, or sorry, the football team. I, I'm so used to calling them that. It's uh, it's uh, difficult to get used to. <laughs> yeah, I know. The, so the Washington football team could maybe give them a run for their money, but I think the Eagles and Giants are certainly 
up there. I mean, every team's really up there at this point. Um, but that, that game very well could determine the division. So it's going to be interesting how that one shapes out. Yeah, I mean, I really think... Let's hear your picks. Let's hear your picks. Yeah, I'm going to go say, last. I'm going to say the Eagles are going to win because I think Darius Slay has been playing decent at least. I think their defense is going to be able to hold out against Daniel Jones. You know, I I would like to pick the Eagles in this one, but I think this is kind of a do-or-die game right now for the Giants. If they manage to lose this game, it puts them at 2-8, and eight, and it'll put the Eagles at an even record, uh, which basically... I think that would eliminate them from any chance at getting the, the number one spot in that division. And I think if the Eagles can close out this game, it, I mean, it doesn't solidify them, but it certainly brings them a lot, lot closer to being that number one spot. So I think the Giants kind of have to perform here or else their season's over. It is desperation time for these New York Giants. I do agree the Eagles have a better roster on paper. However, there are a lot of injury concerns with the Eagles. Just like I say it every week, you know, the Eagles, uh, they're going to be too banged up to win this week. And then three times this year, they've managed to do it. But I think the New York Giants, I think Daniel Jones finally comes into his own. I think he can deliver, you know, a random great performance like he did against Tampa last season versus Jameis Winston. Um, I think this is going to be, you know... Joe Judge's, uh, you know, waking up moment. I think this is going to be his um, his eureka moment. I think the Giants win this game. I think the Eagles start going into a tailspin. The football team will keep losing, and I can't really see the Cowboys picking up another win this season, especially not with Garrett Gilbert at quarterback. Um, I think the Giants will uh, win this game. They'll, you know, go on a tear, win a couple more, and take the division at six and ten. Really? Yep. Six and ten. <laughs> six and ten. Set in records almost. The uh, so the worst uh playoff team ever by record uh were the seven and nine two thousand and ten Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Seneca Wallace and Matt Ryan. Matt. Ryan, Matt Hasselbeck were the quarterbacks, pardon me. Uh, Marshawn Lynch was the running back, you know, the receiving was done by, you know, uh, very young Doug Baldwin, uh, very young Golden Tate, and... John Carlson. John Carlson, that was him. I remember that game, wow. the, the Beast Quake game. Um, so letting letting bad teams into the playoffs can be fun sometimes. Um you know, some other oh, poor wow. teams that have made the playoffs were the 7-8-1 uh, and one Carolina Panthers in 2015. Um, yeah, we, we, we had um, 2010 Seahawks. Earl Thomas was a rookie. <laughs> yep. Uh, last year, actually, Philly uh, snuck into the playoffs 8-7-1, uh, which is not all that bad. Um, and I think uh, you might want to fact check me on this but uh the Tennessee Titans made it 8 and 8 in 2013 I think so there have been some pretty poor teams get into the playoffs um but Seattle is the only team that's uh entered the league 500 or worse that's won a playoff game and you know I just think it would be really cool if like the uh the 4 seed you know 6 and 10 New York Giants if they um 
you know, face off against the five seed um, Buccaneers, managed to like upset them in overtime in front of like twenty five hundred stunned fans uh, in Tampa, and the, or no, it'll be a home game, so they'll upset them in New York, and then go on the road to the number one seeded, you know, Packers or Seahawks. Take your pick, and then get them to an overtime contest. I think that would be a very cool story. I think it would be a cool story. Uh, I don't want them to win, though, because I, I think the Seahawks get a good chance at it this year. But that would certainly be interesting. I, I don't know if I could see that happening, though. I don't know. I mean, well, this is what we were saying about, like, the Tennessee Titans last year. We were saying they were like, oh, they're, they're going to be the worst playoff team in the history of the league. Um, and then they went on that run. Yeah. So they were able to limp into the playoffs, you know, 9-7. and seven. Um. Take that second wild card, take the ball and run with it. Uh, the Giants, Eagles, that's uh, going to be an interesting game to watch, I'm certain, one way or another. Anyway, I think this is going to be it from us with the water break. Um, thank you guys for listening to the best late night sports show on 88.9 The Bridge. Um, and we will see you guys next week. Have a good one.